pole dancer. Welcome to the Evidence-Based Pole Podcast. My name is Rosie Boa. I'm a pole dancer, pole teacher, and personal trainer. And I've started this podcast so that we can learn together, talk with the experts, read the research, and feel better on and off the pole. So if that sounds like something you're interested in doing, let's go. Welcome uh, to an episode that I'm very excited about, and probably you also are. Uh, I'm joined today by Frances Anne, who I tend to think of as Body by Fran, because <laughs> uh, that's her her Instagram handle. Um, and I'm just gonna say, when I like look forward to my future, and I'm like, okay, what do I want? Uh, you know, how do I want to be able to move? Like, what are, do I want sort of my my capabilities to be? You know, as I, as I get older. Um, I don't think it's at your level. I don't think I'm ever gonna be as buff as you are. Uh, Fran is like uh, verging on superhuman levels of fitness, I would say. Uh, and I'm not. I don't have the the dedication to uh, to to reach and maintain that. Uh, but definitely, I think you are a huge movement inspiration for someone who has been in the in the game for a while. Uh, works with older students and specializes in older students. And older here is plus forty. Although, of course, we know you can continue doing pull uh, far far later than that. Um, and also just a huge proponent of, you know, evidence-based practices, uh, bringing in that exercise science background, strength and conditioning background. You have, you know, a pole strength and conditioning certification, specialist certification. You'll have to correct me on the specific terminology. So extremely knowledgeable, um, specifically about poles, specifically about evidence-based methods, and as well, um, injury prevention and then longevity of movement, which I think are things that we all want in our pole practice. I certainly do. I hope you do too, listener. Um, yeah, so that's been my <laughs> fangirl gush. Uh, do you wanna do you wanna tell us a little bit about how you see your work? And uh, yeah, what, what do you see as your sort of areas of greatest expertise? Well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for having me here and your little fangirl moment was just so sweet and I'm honored. I really am. Um, my, where I see my area of expertise is, as you say, I really, really enjoy helping over 40 polars sort of overcome those misconceptions of I'm not strong enough, I can't do this, menopause is changing my body, um, all of these things. And it's not really about being superhuman and super strong. I mean, as a bodybuilder and as someone who's been in the fitness industry for 30 years, it's a different level. Um, but anyone can move and feel good in their bodies and feel strong and healthy and fit throughout 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, beyond. Um, there's no reason that uh, we need to really decline as much as modern medicine says we're going to. Like I always like to think of a health span instead of a lifespan. So I want to live healthy longer and I want to help people do that as well. Another area that I really enjoy focusing on um, is helping instructors understand the over 40 body, hone their craft so that they can encourage others to go on that path to longevity, to not come into pole and go a thousand percent and get injured and have to quit. Um, so it's really a secondary passion of mine to teach teachers. You know, I'm a professional educator. I taught high school and college for 15 years, and um, I just enjoy teaching. So that's another avenue that I'm exploring is teaching teachers that I'm having so much fun. 
I think this episode is coming out on October 13th, and I think you'll actually be doing a program in South Carolina, if I'm correct, on those dates. So uh, perhaps some of you listening are there. Probably not. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll tune it in. Yeah, the um, my teacher's toolkit mentorship program is meeting for a training vacation in beautiful South Carolina, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. I love it. It's about two hours from my house. Um, as you can tell, I'm not a Southern girl, y'all. Uh, I try, and, but I'm a transplant down here, and I really wanted to invite my mentorship crew down um, to do that being in the room thing, you know, where we just drive off each other's energy and learn and grow together. And I've also opened it up to the public as well. So we'll have a few people coming in from outside of the mentorship to come and explore and train together. I'm really excited about that. Oh, well, that's not fun. Yeah. I'm, I think some of my listeners know this. Uh, I'm actually up in Virginia, so we're not that far away from each other, but unfortunately I'm not really traveling these days. Alas. Yeah. So you mentioned, I think, one thing that is very relevant for, uh, you know, some polars as they get older, which is menopause. Uh, and I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. I think most people listening know what menopause is, but they may not know specifically how it will affect, um, you know, your body and your physical capacity. Um, and then also maybe some other things that you really think about uh, when working with older students and maybe designing programs for them or just to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, first, I'd really like to say that menopause has always seemed to be such a taboo topic. No one really wants to talk about it. And younger women are like, mm, that's not going to happen for a while. I don't want to think about it. And older women are pretty much told that's just what happens. Deal with it. And we're not really taught how to keep thriving through menopause. Um, so some of the things to expect, and I am postmenopausal. I will say that uh, it's, it's been a good amount of time now. I'm very excited about it. it. There is life after perimenopause and after menopause. So for those of you thinking that everything dries up and you're done, you're not. Um, <laughs> so, but perimenopause. Menopause can be a really, really challenging time. The hormones start to fluctuate. Periods fluctuate. Our strength changes, our hormones are changing, our energy and moods change, um, and it's really, really important to begin to manage that. A lot of times we tend to turn to alcohol because we're stressed, and women in that stage of life are busy. We're in our careers, we've got children, we've got so much going on in our lives, maybe aging parents to take care of, that a lot of times we put our own care on the back burner. So if you're polling, you want to make sure that you're drinking enough water, getting proper nutrition, you're warming up the body properly. As we age, we tend to get a little stiffer and a little more cranky. Um, I never warmed up when I was in my 20s. I'd go into the gym and just lift heavy. Wow, right? And now I'm a half an hour warming up, and I love it. It's my favorite part of the workout is just to get everything going. So honoring that is really important as well. And getting your hormones checked, you know, force your, your doctor, if they really don't want to do it, if you're experiencing any kind of weirdness, tired, achy, uh, weight gain, those kind of things, those are not normal. And doctors want to tell you that it is, and you don't have to. I did start gaining a little bit of weight towards that transition. 
And I noticed that I couldn't do my high intensity training anymore. Mm -hmm. I had to slow down, lift a little bit heavier, rest a lot more in between my sets of things. Even on the pole, if I was running a, a routine, I'd have to stop and rest and not keep doing it over and over again. My body just did not respond the same way that it used to, to all that high intensity training. So that's another thing to consider. And I do consider that in my uh, signature program that is now geared towards 40 plus polars. We talk about that. You don't have to do all the strength and conditioning rapid fire, do a set rest, see how it feels in your body. Notice if you're getting the muscle engagement, try to figure it out and really feel what's going on. Lifting a little heavier, a little slower, taking our time and building that foundation is uh, really important for anyone, but especially as we age. Uh, and also, have you noticed any big changes in recovery time? Uh, I know you mentioned that you sort of tire out faster. Do you notice that you, you know, take longer to recover at all or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will rest two to three days each week, and sometimes they are complete rest with no movement, no stretching, anything. Just a little bit more intuitive. When I was younger, I would teach 15 to 20 fitness and pole classes a week and go to the gym on my own, and there was never a day off. And yes, I would overtrain at times and then step it back, but now I notice it a lot more. Uh, recovery does take a little bit longer. Recovery from injury takes forever. Something that would take two weeks when you're 25 will take three months when you're 45, 55. So we need to understand that as well. We can't rush back in to things so quickly as we used to. And we can't expect our body to do what it did at 25. Mm -hmm. And we're not. Some people still have that same movement quality. But not everyone is going to be able to move in the same way. We have to honor that and train towards the goals that we want and not think, well, I used to do this when I was 25. Why can't I do it now? Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's something that I see a lot in pole students, especially ones who've been doing it for a while, um, whether or not they're, they're postmenopausal, is that... Uh, you know, frustration. <laughs> and like, I want to do everything now. I have all these goals. I want to get them right now. And then, as you mentioned, you run into problems with overtraining uh, and an injury. And I know that that's something that you're in particular very passionate about is injury prevention, uh, which same, <laughs> I'd, uh, I prefer as a movement discipline, we took injury prevention, just everybody, a little bit more seriously than we do currently. Um, and I, I think most people listening, uh, I know a lot of them are my students, I'll also agree that injury prevention is very important. Um, besides, you know, you know, regulating your mood, paying attention to your body, noticing how you feel, it's a theme I'm really seeing what you see, say here, um, and also not really giving into that frustration and being like, I'm gonna go and go and go and push and push and push and push and do so much and then hit that wall. What are some things that you, you think about when uh, you're working with students uh, or trends that you might see that you're like, ah, I'd, I might consider your behaviors carefully here because they could lead to injury. I, I do see a lot of things and people tend to send me videos like, look, I got my handspring and I don't want to be unkind and say, wow, you probably really 
I shouldn't be doing that yet. Your bottom arm is collapsing and everything looks like it's painful. Um, <laughs> but that's well, how did that feel for you? Maybe you might want to strengthen your pec slats and serratus a little more to get a stronger push. But I, I think the key is that we all really, and, and I fell victim to this too, want to do all the things, as you said, and I want to do that. I want to do that. I don't need to do all the basic beginner stuff. I want to do that cool stuff. But we wouldn't walk into a gymnastics studio and say, okay, I want to learn a round off back handspring. All right, well, can you do a forward roll? No. Can you do a cartwheel? No. Have you ever done any? No. We wouldn't expect to do that. We wouldn't expect to jump on a high bar and be able to spin ourselves around. But we do when we get onto the pole. We expect that, okay, well, I see people doing this, so I should be able to do it too. And I think a lot of times because we consider it dance, and it is, there is dancing to it, but it's it, it's got a gymnastic aspect to it. And if you are looking to turn your body upside down, you are going to require a solid foundation of strength to not get injured. And that's where people, I think, including myself, get sidetracked. I've had so many injuries from just doing things wrong because I just wanted to do it. And I really would like to prevent others from going through that. <laughs> yes, I definitely hear you. And I think part of it may be, listen, everybody loves to blame stuff on social media, but when I first started pole dancing, it was not as big of a thing. It sort of became a thing as I, as I have been pole dancing. Um, and I think the, the lure of social media is you get to see all this cool stuff, but then the, uh, um, you know, the danger of it is it's like in cooking shows where people are like, here's one I made earlier. You don't see all the preparation steps, right? You don't, you don't know what they did to warm up that day. You don't know what their training program looks like. You don't know if they went home and couldn't walk the next day, right? Because they were so sore and they were doing so much. Or if like this move led to an overuse injury, you don't see that context the way that you do, say, if you're in a studio and you're training with the same people and you can be like, oh, she got her handspring. She's been working on it for three years, right? And like also doing cross training and all also doing all of this other supporting movement. And I think sometimes when we just sort of see things in the void of Instagram and we're like, I want to do the cool thing, it can be yeah, really we'll difficult. Rarely do people show the process. And I love when high level level pullers will show their blooper reels or here's what it took to get here. Um, I've got a lot of those falls and was training Chinese pole for a while mm -hmm. and you know I had my big mat out and it was just crash, crash crash um and, and that is one thing social media did to me early on because we were always like let's try this in class you know when mm -hmm. there weren't really good instructors around back a million years ago and i would look at young like 25 year old male acrobats gymnasts Cirque du Soleil performers chinese polars and be like well why can't i do that well, bitch, you know, excuse me, you are <laughs> far older than that. You are not a trained athlete from the time you were three. You are not male. You know, don't have as much testosterone. I'm a tiny human. Um, don't have that upper body strength, although I do have more than the average woman. I will say that. That's just the bodybuilding, I believe. But comparing yourself to someone, you know, and you're here and they're here, here. <laughs> I still do it though sometimes, you know, so like, oh, I want to try, okay, stop, step it back. And my husband will say, Fran, you are not 
a young male acrobat. Okay. All right. I'll dial it back a little bit. Um, yes. It's, it's so hard not to compare and not to, you know, be like, it looks so cool. I want to do it. It is. And, and when we go to the opposite end of the spectrum, like I look at strength, but we look at these beautiful, flexible, lovely dancers. And I think a lot of times, even in studios, you get someone who's got hypermobility or, or really doesn't have that strength in their mobility and their instructors will go, Oh, here, do this. Let's put you in here. And injuries can happen that way too. So it's not just strength-based, you know, there's flexibility component and there's, like you said, all of that comparison, I want to do this and not being able to assess whether there's the capacity for that. Yeah. To be yeah. And I think that brings me to another thing that I, think about a lot that, you know, having come from, you know, having a personal training background, right? Uh, if we think about like, okay, I'm going to teach somebody like a compound lift and like, this is their goal. Wait, well, first you're going to start with the prerequisites, right? The parts that go into that. You're going to do like each of the components of the lift on their own, right? Um, you're going to start with a really light weight so people can like find that rhythm and what it feels like. Um, and you're going to slowly build towards one specific thing over time with exercises that are really tuned towards that specific thing. And I don't always see... Um, and of course it varies and like some folks are really great about this and some folks are, are less so. Um, and sometimes it's not needed, right? If you're working with say intermediate students, you know, really well, and you're like, you know, you don't know like the two moves that go into this move, but I think I can just teach them to you together. Right. So like a good example here is like, if I'm teaching you a transition between two spins, I might just like show you both the spins really quick. But if I'm like, I've seen you dance a lot, I know that you can just pick these up right away. And then the transition is going to be the part that's challenging for you. I don't think you necessarily need to always go into super great depth for every single student, every single situation, but that buildup of like, okay, you're going to work on, let's say, um, this is a great example, um, a basic invert shape. I would like you to be able to do like a standing crucifix on the pole before you get into it so you know what your leg contact point should be. Um, and I don't always see that, right? Especially because I think Folks are really excited to get upside down and I don't want to tell you it's wrong to be excited and I don't want to tell you that's not a good goal to work towards, both fine, but building towards things slowly and having clear prerequisites for if you want to do X, you have to do Y, um, I think can be a challenge. I think can, can be a challenge for a lot of instructors that just aren't taught how to think about movement in that way, especially if they do come from a dance background where you don't get that quite as much. Um, and. It's a challenge. I don't know. That's something I think about a lot, and I don't really have any good question for you, but I'm sure you have comments on it. Yeah, absolutely. That is the entire foundation of my uh, whole strength and conditioning specialist certification is we look at targeted strength and conditioning work before class starts. So if you're mm -hmm. teaching that invert to a crucifix, we're going to, to teach the movement at the pole um, to get the coordination, and then we're going to test capacity. Does this person have the upper body strength to begin to lift for the invert? Let's break that down and start building that first. Can they get the pelvic tuck mm -hmm. to happen? 
let's work that on the floor, even if they can do it, just to create the mind muscle connection as the movement happens. Because not everybody's very aware of where their body is in space either. So, you know, that is the foundation of, of what I'm teaching in my level one certification is to really be able to look at a student and see what they're doing and understanding if their issues are coordination. I don't know where my hands and feet are. I don't know how to make these muscles all work together or is it capacity? Mm-hmm. I don't have the ability in the shoulder for a ballerina. I don't have the flexibility to do a split on the pole. I don't have the strength in the bottom arm to push into a handspring, those kind of things. And they're so vital, as you said, we do it in strength and conditioning. And I, I think I've seen a bit of that in CrossFit where the instructors aren't really that adept at breaking down the movements and people get injured, especially older people going into CrossFit. And then you're going to start to do a snatch, but you haven't trained the movement or assessed the shoulder mobility. And there are some phenomenal all CrossFit coaches out there. Um, my daughter does CrossFit and her people are awesome, but there are some out there just like in pole that need a little bit more understanding. And that's where we see injury happen. And we see it with personal training too. Trainers that are just overzealous and they don't think about the steps. So it's definitely something that we can all keep learning about right? His movement is kind of a continuum. And I really love learning new things about the body. And especially now that I'm moving into flexibility training myself, it's so fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I would say for students who are listening, I know it does not feel great to be like, this is a goal that I have and to be told, okay, first you need to do these things. You can't work on the specific thing you want to do yet, but I'm not going to say necessarily 100% of the time, but usually when you hear that from an instructor, they want you to get the goal, but they want you to get there safely and to be able to continue to move afterwards. Um, And I would just move forward with caution if you're working with an instructor and every time you bring in a move and you're like i want to do this thing that feels very outside of your capacity you are like great let's get you into it immediately without doing any like analysis of you as a student if you are continuously getting injured that may be why <laughs> just something to keep in mind and i don't oh, and the bottom line is we don't want to be injured Mm-mm. and you know, for the student, it takes you out of everything that you love. It takes you away from your activity, your socialization, your family. Our pole studios are our families. And for the instructors in the studios, we're losing money. And I know nobody likes to say that, but it is a business. And we want to keep our people coming in and growing with us. One of the things that I've talked about in my mentorship with my instructors and studio owners is that maybe we refocus the way we frame our class levels instead of saying level one, level two, level three, or beginner, intermediate, advanced. We set it up so that that highest level isn't the goal. Mm. So if we can name them uh, something a little bit more welcoming and not, so I have to go from one to two to three, I have to go to the advanced level, like maybe we call that one, you know, dynamic tricksters or something. So Mm -hmm. I don't wanna be dynamic. I know that I don't like dynamic movement, so I wouldn't aspire to that class. Like, oh, that's cool, 
but that's not. But if you named it level four and that was the highest level you had, I need to be there. I know that's my personality and that's how a lot of people are. So we discussed renaming and, and reframing how we approach that beginner to intermediate area in pole and making it okay to train there and to strengthen there and to reach our goals and then maybe decide if you want to be dynamic, if you want to be the trickster, if you want to do handstands, um, those kind of things. And, and then, of course, a lot of studios will do those sort of uh, test outs. So mm -hmm. you nailed this trick, and now you can move on. And that's wonderful because it, it does give us a goal, but it's not I need to reach this class because this is the pinnacle, and those people are what I aspire to be. So you, you can kind of take pull through your own lens. Like maybe I want to stay with these flow classes and learn to incorporate my tricks that I have into a flow. And that's more my aesthetic than being a dynamic trickster. Yeah. So it's just something to think about as we, as instructors and studio owners, as we try to keep our people with us, to keep them from being injured and to keep them engaged, because we see beginners, intermediate, right? Those upper level classes have a lot less people in them because they're unattainable for a lot of people. Well, there's injuries that led up to that, you know, just a number of things. So, that was just something that we had a discussion on and resonated really well with the group. So, yeah, yeah I think especially thinking about I mean, again, I, I like to compare things to, to sort of weightlifting, but like in weightlifting, progression is very straightforward. You have a number and the number goes up. Um, whereas in pole, progression can be, I can do more tricks. Progression can be, I'm flowier. Progression can be, I, you know, can freestyle to more types of songs. Um, progression can be, I want to perform and I'm performing more. Progression can be, I'm just showing up. <laughs> I'm just showing up every time. Uh, okay, class twice this week. Progression. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there doesn't have to be an end result put on any of it, right? So we think when you're lifting, we're not lifting to <laughs> the <laughs> number. I get this number, right? We're just getting our PR higher. Or maybe we're getting on stage as bodybuilders and, and saying, I've capped my shoulders more. Next time I'm going to improve them. So there's always an improvement in some way. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, I think when we look at lifting, people see that because it is linear, but pole isn't. Um, and, and I get asked a lot about things like rubber bands whenever I use them. What size rubber band should I use? Well, I don't know your body weight. I don't know your strength level. I can't give you a prescription of that it's not as straightforward it's like saying well what size dumbbell should i use i don't know how long are your arms for your bicep curls have you ever done it before do you have any injuries right so, so there's a lot of things that need to be looked at by a professional and you can't just give this blanketed advice on it and I think a lot of times that's what the internet, people on the internet think, well, I'll just learn on the internet and I'll just ask somebody and they'll tell me and then I'll be able to do it. Um, it's not I was, I was grinning because I was thinking of those types of posts where it's like POV, you do this one exercise and you get the splits. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> if the specific problem that you specifically had, like if your limiting factor, it happens to be addressed by that one exercise, maybe, but like probably it's not, right? Like the bodies are so dynamic. You are an individual. You have not only, you know, your movement history, but also like all the other things you do in your life, right? Like uh, a very like, I don't know, sort of weird example, but something to think about is if you drive a lot and you drive in a country where you drive on the, you know, whatever side you drive on, you're probably going to twist that direction more to look behind, right? So whether what side of the road you drive on in your country is going to have a, an implication for your thoracic mobility. And you may not even think about that. You may not even notice that, but um, it's there, yeah. right? about too, and this might sound a little crass, but when you're on the toilet... <laughs> Do you always reach the same way, right? If you try to go the other way, you're like, what is going on with this hand? It doesn't do things right, right? So again, yeah, same thing with thoracic mobility. I have a, a student that is a tattoo artist. And hours of one hand holding and one hand tattooing causes wrist, elbow, neck, shoulder, all kinds of struggles. And so, you know, the work then becomes, can you get up and stretch in between clients and roll back and begin to open all that up because there's no way to avoid that. You cannot tattoo. It just can't be done. Um, so people that are at a desk, they draw, uh, you know, anything where you're hunched forward, there really has to be a, a desire to, to correct that. And you can't just expect it to happen in two whole classes a week. Right. Why can't I get my ballerina? Well, because you're here. Right, and this is never going to open back in the way that you need it to if you're surrounded forward and you're not doing the work to open that up. Yeah, absolutely. And I I know that that is one of the things which, like, again, it's like being told, like, well, the thing you want to do, there's prerequisites you got to go through to get to there. Um, you know, being understanding that, like, all the movement you have in your life, all your history of movement, right? Like, whatever you did as a kid, right? If you were, like, a kickball kid, that affects you now. Um, if you, I was not a kickball kid. <laughs> I was, like, getting hit in the head with a kickball kid. I was, I was a little library nerd. Um, but that affects me, right? Like, when I was a child, I didn't do a lot of running around. I still don't. It's just not something that appeals to me, and it's not a big part of my movement life. And that, so that can bring around fear around that kind of movement too, if you've never done it, right? Like when I, I said before about dynamic movement, I never did any gymnastics. When I was a fitness competitor back in my late twenties, I tried to learn around off back handspring, but my shoulders weren't mobile enough and I couldn't block. So I did a back tuck, a standing back tuck. That was my big gymnastic thing. But I didn't do that as a child. And so trying to do it later in life is challenging. So when I get to the pole and I try to do something dynamic, flipping off the pole, I have no reference for that, except for that short amount of time that I did that backflip for fitness competitions and hated every moment of it. It was... It just wasn't natural. But somebody who does that, has done that since they were a child, will take that movement to the pole and it'll be very easy. I don't do the, the flip 
first for September and whenever my students want to try, can we try this one? No. <laughs> I mean, I can break it down for you, but I'm not doing it. It's just not my thing. I'm just not comfortable in that movement pattern. Could I be? Yes. If I explored it and trained it, but I don't, like you said, it's not a movement style that you want to work with. I want to start to become more fluid. So I'm doing that kind of thing. Right. And I guess what I'm trying to say is not every movement is for every body and it's okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think that also is, I think something that comes more as you get older and as you do pole longer and you understand yourself better and you can be like, yeah, that's not really for me. Like I'm, I'm similar. I'm not really a dynamic dancer. Uh, I love floor work. I love low flow. Um, I'm not planning <laughs> on on becoming uh, the flips person. Um, and could I? Yeah, absolutely. If you're listening and you're like, I really want to do that, but I don't know how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You can do that. It's something you can work towards. But is it something that A, you enjoy the learning process of, you're going to keep showing up for, because uh, especially as you move towards things that are more dangerous, if you're not continuously training and showing up for it, you're not going to make progress. Um, and, you know, that yeah period <laughs> you're not gonna make progress i had the inflection i was gonna keep talking but that's that's not it uh and there's yeah. no specific trick that you need to do to be good right for a long time i thought the fonji was the be all end all until i started training it and i was like oh, i don't like this at all <laughs> and i did it once with a spot i've done the half fonji a couple times and ow, my boob hurts my wrist hurts i just and the full going back up was oof, just, I just didn't enjoy the process. And that was really hit me with what you said. If you don't enjoy it, why bother? I mean, I guess if you're an elite level world-class competitor and that's something that you want to put in, maybe enjoyment isn't your top priority, right? Uh, but just for those of us that are just doing it because we love it and because it's fun, um, I no longer think that's the be all end all. For me, being able to dance to a song without being critical of myself is huge. So that's more important to me than getting the fondue. And it, it's really about honing in on your priorities and what you want to do. And like you said, being consistent with moving towards those goals without rushing it, without self-criticism without you know just allowing that training to unfold and to enjoy it yeah i i know that many people are very motivated by goals and they feel happiest when they're ticking off goals and i don't know that do not think that's a bad thing but if uh you know you are looking for sustainable long-term movement and to be perfectly frank, there will be a point at which you do not learn any new, more, more new pole moves, no matter how hard you try. It'll just come at some point in your life, right? That's going to happen for all of us. Um, if you can't enjoy the journey at that point, then what are you doing? You're probably not going to keep doing it, right? And hopefully you'll find another movement activity that fulfills that need um, where you can continue to progress if that's really what you're getting out of, of having this, um, this activity in your life. Uh, but if it's not, and you know, what you're getting out of it is community and fun and enjoyment, and you're really tying your self-worth and your ability to have a good time to, you know, I've got to go through this checklist. Um, I will, you know, maybe a, a relationship that you can start reevaluating now so that when that time comes, you can be like, it's chill. <laughs> it's fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know 
a few people who like to just try trick after trick after trick for Instagram. Mm -hmm. And several of them that have said, I'm not getting the attention. I've, I've done this trick and people aren't liking it. And that always kind of gets me thinking, like, am I doing a trick because I want people to like it? Or am I doing a trick because I like it? And yeah, you'll see me do a cup grip handspring over and over again. Why? Because I like it. It's just fun. Shoulder mount planks, those kind of things. Those are my thing. And I do them because they're fun. I love strength moves. I'd rather strength and condition. I'd rather climb the pole hand over hand. Um, so that's what brings me joy. But I'm not doing it for the likes as much as you know with, with a business of course you're trying to get eyes on your work but it's not just to say look what i can do and there are a lot of people that are doing that here's the next trick here's the next trick and i wonder if they're really enjoying the training because the end result is not giving them the dopamine hit that they want mm -hmm. right so if you're that person, think about that too. Yes, we love seeing you nail your new tricks, but what was the process like for you? How did it feel in your body? How excited were you when you got it? And are you going to keep that excitement even if two people like it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, sort of given how fragile being able to share poll content online is. Um, I, this is a little bit of an aside, but there's uh, currently some legislation in the U.S. Congress which may make it much more difficult to put poll content content online. Uh, I don't want to get into it too much. If you are if you are interested, um, I guess reach out to me on Instagram and I'll, I'll send you the names of the bills. Uh, but I always when I'm because I'm I'm a freestyler. That's my thing. And when I'm going through like and looking through seashells, I'm like, okay, I need a little, like a little snippet to share for something. Um, I always gravitate towards the parts of the dance that felt the best to me and not the most technically impressive parts. Um, and that's what looks good to me. And that's what, like looking at it, I remember how good I feel, but also just like as an audience member and a poll watcher, that's really what draws me in is when I can tell someone is really enjoying what they're doing and it does not have to be fancy, right? I, I, sometimes yeah. like there was a, a while ago where I had this whole freestyle and I did like some medium technical stuff and I, there was a bit where I rolled over on the floor and I was like, that's it. <laughs> that's the best bit uh, was the rolling over because I was enjoying it. I was really in the moment and I was really stretching and I was like, that's what looks the best, right? It's not the cool tricks. It's the, like that super embodied intentional moment that felt really well, felt really good when I wasn't thinking about how I looked. Right. And I try to express that to people that come to me with competition training is it it doesn't matter if you're working that hard on that combo and your face is like <laughs> we need to see the joy back it down you don't have to do the move that's so technically hard for you to do that you're afraid all the way up to it and you can't enjoy the movement um if you don't mind i would like to address what you were saying about social media yeah just a that um, for those of you that are in business and are whole business people and you're selling classes and programs online, if you do not have an email list, get one. Because if things like this happen, if we are not allowed to share our work on social media, because ultimately it is someone's business that they are running and we cannot 
stop them from stopping us on their platform. It's free. So we're not, uh, so we need to have a backup. That's what I'm saying. So if you are a business person, please, please, please build your email list and nurture those people and send them all your good stuff and send them your videos and, and keep them in your family that way, just in case, just in case. And especially if you tend to be a more sexy, sexy pole dancer, because we know that the powers that be don't love that very much. So get those people into a community in your email list and, you know, send them your stuff there because they may not be seeing it. Being shadow bound is real and um, we do this for a living. So just instead of being upset about it, you, know, you can be upset and complaining about it, do something, be proactive and save your business. Right. Yeah. And I also like conversely for students, if there's someone you really like and you know, you want to learn from them and keep up with them, subscribe to their newsletter, <laughs> sign up for their email list. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Students do that because just about everyone has one. And if they don't reach out and ask them, they may be able to just you know, put you on a list for upcoming events if they don't have something structured already. But yeah, definitely get on those lists. Get all that juicy free stuff. Yeah, I do. A, a, mine is mostly musings and thoughts about poll. And uh, I think mm -hmm. the, the newsletter I did this week was about um, when a training session is going bad and you're like, I don't feel it. What can you do? So that sort of stuff. Very valuable stuff. Right. I love to jump on people's newsletter list just to see what they're up to, hear about them and their lives and their businesses and what's going on. And I love when I get a little tip about something. You know, Heidi Coker's great with that little mindful movement tip that she'll send out. I love that. So yeah, jump on those lists. Yeah, Heidi's amazing. Uh, also, uh, a friend's list is also very good. Uh, and something you've been mentioning recently, I think this is probably going to be the last thing we talk about because I want to make sure I'm, I'm respecting your time, uh, is coming back from injury. Uh, and you mentioned that particularly, you know, as you start to get older, that process is longer and longer. Um, so, I mean, we cannot completely prevent injuries from happening in the world, even if every pole, student st pole studio were like a complete bastion of nothing bad ever happens. We all drive cars. Uh, so... When uh, an injury happens, um, what, as a trainer and teacher, are uh, sort of your big tips for folks who are coming back? Well, number one, I get a lot of DMs like, uh, this hurts when I do that, and I have this pain, and I have number one, please, please, please see a medical professional. Get it checked. I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. Um, I can help you in your post-rehab and I love to hear what your PT has to say and where you're at in that um, rehabilitation and get you going past that. But do that first and foremost. And I know that that can be expensive, but it's so worth it. So worth it. And then honor your body. Coming back in a thousand percent can cause re-injury and then you're going to be out longer. So do that physical therapy, that rehab, and don't just stop when your injury feels better, no matter what age. You may want to start to incorporate some prehab movements for that area. So if you've got an rotator cuff because you're not using your serratus anterior, strengthen your serratus anterior every time you train. 
um, and don't just stop. And then just give yourself some grace and understanding that the body does take time to heal. It needs proper nutrition. It needs proper hydration. It needs rest. It needs, uh, you know, for me, I need to foam roll and stretch and, and, um, just get blood flowing sometimes through those muscles. Um, and I also, I'm an ice person. I know that's kind of old school, but I've got a psoas injury. And every time I do contortion, I am with the ice pack afterwards just to kind of bring down any inflammation that I've done to it. So again, follow your medical professional's instructions on that and uh, just give yourself some grace and time to heal because you will come back and you'll come back stronger. We have to be patient especially if you're slightly over 25, like me, <laughs> my story, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a, it's a challenge, but I think well worth the long-term results. Absolutely. Thank you very much for joining me today. And before we, we close out, uh, I know we mentioned you have a, uh, a mailing list, but if folks want to keep up with you, uh, how should they do it? And do you have anything in particular you want uh, folks to know about? Um, you can go ahead over to my website at www.bodybyfrantraining.com and you can jump on my newsletter list. We scroll down the homepage, it's right there. You can also get a free Pulse Strong Method class from me where I discuss my methodology of targeted warmups, trick specific conditioning and technique tips. And then we go through some of that for split grip and leg hangs. And then you get an idea of what I do. Um, and then right now, I guess what's really just coming up is my teacher training in, uh, in Charleston. And I will be relaunching the second round of my teacher's toolkit mentorship program. So instructors that are out there and would like to get PSCS certified and uh, learn more about teaching as a skill and as your product, you can um, go ahead to my website and check that out or reach out to me at Body by Fran. And I would be really glad to talk to you about that. All right, fabulous. And there will be links to uh, the stuff in the description. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Fran. Thank you to everybody for listening. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me today, Pole Dancer. This podcast is a production of Slink Through Strength, the inclusive, evidence-based online pole studio. So if you're looking for a place to train, either off-pole conditioning and flexibility, or learning pole tricks and refining your pole movement, uh, you can find us online at slinkthroughstrength.com.